every all good enterprise sellers have been creating mutual action plans and spreadsheets yeah. and they're really good at creating tailored business case decks and things like that now all sellers get templates that the um, standardizes for them of here's the business case template in the room here's the mutual action plan template with much yeah. better ui and capabilities to actually make mutual action plans work so everyone really become good collaborators in this space so gartner says that 5% of the buying journey is spent with you as a single vendor they also share that 43% of buyers prefer to self serve and not speak with the seller so they've gotten used to the self service tools the self service journeys and a lot of them don't take your word for it we can just go and sell to everyone you have to build community champions most of the sales happens actually when you're not there so really when you realize that your role is to help that champion go and do most of the selling when you're not there then beyond that environment that's that's how you should look at the sales process Welcome to the How to Sell podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped on it and excited that you have joined us for what will be a very, a very engaging conversation today. Because today we're talking a bit about um, how do you get consensus? How do you bring the buying committee onto the journey so that you can get consensus and you can help move them down that buying funnel to a point of decision? Because as we know, a lot of enterprise deals even not enterprise even those smaller to mid-market opportunities now there are more buyers getting involved in the decision making process and some of the data shows us that 40 to 60 percent of those deals the decision that they end up is no decision they can't get consensus so i'm really excited to talk to our guest today who and i'm, I'm not going to steal his thunder i'll allow him to introduce himself but why this is a sort of the, the the start of our series because all of our our series episodes that we've got coming up around how to sell to the way that our buyers buy and over the coming weeks and months we've got interviews with different buyers with cfos heads of enablement chief marketing officers and we're going to be asking them how do they get to that point of decision and so this is a real great way for us to get started to get you thinking about how to shift the way that you sell so before I bore the hell out of our guest who's sitting there in the green room, just want to say welcome all the way from Israel Gal to the How to Sell podcast. Thanks so much, uh, Luigi. Really excited to be here. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, really fun topic, my best favorite topic. So uh, looking forward to our chat. Yeah, awesome. And I just want to say, ever since I heard you on the Donald C. Kelly, the Sales Evangelist podcast, Mate, I fell yeah. in love. I loved what you were talking about. I loved the concepts that you shared, the digital sales room, gaining consensus, the challenges when it comes to getting people across the line, the change journey. So I'm really pumped to to bring this content to life. But before we get started, um, would love for you to share with our audience, how did you start in this world of selling? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So. You know, today I'm a co-founder and CEO of a company uh, in, a, in the sales tech space that basically really so stayed in the, in the passion. I actually started, uh, a, found my passion early on and started in sales uh, 20 years ago and uh, have kind of got into tech real quick. So 50, yeah. last 15, 16 years in uh, tech SaaS B2B sales and, and just found, found the passion just selling telco at a telco company. Yeah. B2B 
um, and founding my way up from there. And I think it was in the early days I uh, um, kind of pre-SaaS was a thing. I actually researched SaaS and decided, okay, yeah. that's, that's interesting. That's where I want to build a career. Um, and yeah, long story short, uh, last uh, 15, 16 years I've been building, doing the AE, enterprise AE uh, yeah. roles, uh, building three sales organizations from scratch as a head of sales, VP sales, CRO, helped companies such as Sysense, Site, and Anagog scale from uh, 1 to 10 and did the 20 to 100 million in ARR right. path yeah. and uh, yeah, continued in uh, sales tech as CEO and founder. Yeah, well, that's huge. That's huge. You know, with some of the numbers that you talk about, there's only a, a small amount of, you know, a small percentage of companies are able to grow to that level of ARR. So that's pretty impressive. And and you went from sort of running the sales divisions to founding your own company. Um, what yep. inspired you to start your own SaaS platform? So, like, for me, it's always it's always been about, you know, challenging myself, finding new things. Um, working my way into new challenges, uh, loved leading, loved building, and uh, always had uh, you know passion for that. And yeah. uh, I, I knew that at some point I'm going to build something. I'm going to run a company. Going to you know when scaling, growing into the CRO role, you see that you're more about the strategy, more about building, more about leadership. And uh, so I knew it's going to come, but basically not that fast. Yeah. Uh, so really the path to aligned. Yeah. So the path just was uh, an opportunity. So my former co-founder, uh, my former colleague and current co-founder, Gal Ditch, also named Gal, we worked <laughs> together at, uh, yeah, two gals, a lot of gals, uh, which, you know, in the U.S. is uh, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, has a different meaning. Uh, so we worked together at a company called uh, Site and a and uh, he basically wanted to 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 build something, mm. and over there we were all always asking ourselves like how how do the top one percent like the best 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 sellers do it every time? And there's a, such a big gap between some sellers and others. Yeah, and uh, and kind of we you know we we were constantly constantly thinking about this and discussing this and um and what we realized at some point that really what the top sellers do that others don't. They just don't sell, right? In the yeah. in the old way of in the old meaning of selling, they don't go and push, and they they don't just go and throw information at you. And they're just really damn good at curating a buying experience, a buying journey. Mm. They're working with champions. They're building consensus. They're making sure they're reducing friction all the time. They're really project manager for the champion for the buying uh, group. Um, and that's what they were doing very differently. Um, and this is where the idea came from. We wanted to really go and uh, uh, and build something there. I uh, initially was uh, an advisor at the company when while I was CRO. So Gal with Yotam, my other co-founder, really started building the company. And then they say, okay, you have to come in and join in full time. Yeah. The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So, and and I can see. So, obviously, you were in the seat. You're in the sales seat. You were constructing deals, and I love what you've shared, right? Because you've shared the great, the top sellers aren't necessarily selling. They're guiding. They're facilitating. Um, they're helping bring consensus, etc. And and again, I, I would love to really touch on this. And 
Now that you've been able to sit in the seat as a founder and you're seeing this platform and you're seeing multiple people use your platform, with love, could you share with us, again, if you, you know, the things that you said that you see great salespeople do, mm-hmm. how, how is that from the buyer side of things? So with your platform, you're able to bring different stakeholders from the buying committee into a digital world, right, or into a digital platform, which they can all collaborate mm-hmm. on a business case together, right? Mm-hmm. Could you maybe share with us how bringing them into the same environment, that committee, what it does to the sales process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think I think even taking a step back right before, beyond bringing them to to a, a same environment i think it uh, i think what what does it is is working with them right is understanding mm-hmm. that uh right now the world has changed and you're no longer you can we can just go and and uh sell to everyone you have to build committed champions most of the sales happens actually when you're mm-hmm. not there yeah. um there's a lot of stats around it and we can we can touch about touch on that uh, a bit more and uh um so really when you realize that your role is to help that champion go and do most of the selling when you're not there then beyond that environment that's that's how you should look at the sales process you're mm-hmm. really working with someone and you need to think about what are all of their buying steps what are the things that they're doing internally and how everything that I'm going to provide that champion uh, or potential champion, right? It could be multiple yeah. champions uh, today. Also, in many deals, it's important to try to get a few. Uh, how we're supporting these people to go and bring the deal? Are, what do they need to do? Do they need to go and uh, a, and go into RevOps, going to sales enablement, right? Mm-hmm. In, in our world, um, what do these people typically need? Where are they involved? How do they go through budgeting decisions? Mm-hmm. A requirement building guiding them through how to test and evaluate how others have tested and evaluated. So really uh, that is the mindset and uh, thinking about all the time about how to, uh, how to support the internal processes that are taking place. I think this is, this is what it's all about. Okay. And that's really interesting, right? And I love, I, I, I love this um, where you're going with this. So, Again, from the from that buyer's side, so you mentioned the champions often in there doing work without the salesperson, right? They're in there trying to sponsor, get 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 engagement, and they're trying to get other people to help um, bring them on that journey. When you're looking from, because you get to see things that a lot of people don't. How many in a, in, a, in a deal that people are using your platform? How many stakeholders are involved in that buying process? Uh, yeah, so we actually recently published research around this, um, yeah. which uh, which basically we look at how many how many stakeholders people think that are involved in their deals. We yeah. interviewed a lot of sellers, and then we analyzed more than a thousand uh, digital sales rooms. Um, and we saw that uh, uh, on average, there are 68% more than what people are aware of, more stakeholders wow. involved than what people are aware of. Yeah. Uh, essentially, a big part of it is just there are a lot of people that are 
typically behind the scenes you maybe hear about, you maybe not hear about, they get forwarded information. Um, and when there's a, a single space where all of the materials, the buying supporting decision materials, decision supporting materials um, reside, then it really, it's the only place where everyone can come in. Um, yeah. So we see on, on enterprise deals, we see sometimes 20 or even 30 stakeholders in a room. Huh. Yeah. yeah, all entering into that space, and you know our platform enriches this, and and then you can see who these people are, um, enriches the data, and then uh, on average it's around ten, eleven, twelve, something like that in uh, enterprise wow. deals, and a yeah. bit less on SMB. And I think today, uh, even SMBs, what we're seeing is that SMBs, like a lot of sales leaders, tell us we have a, a pre-transactional process and. Um, and uh, two or three people are involved. But then the reality, SMB deals have six, sometimes eight uh, people yeah. involved or even more. Yep. Pardon the interruption, but I have to let you know about this free resource. The Growth Forum newsletter has over 10,000 subscribers that are learning how to sell. Each and every week, we send you tips, strategies, and also some tools and tech on how to achieve the most out of your sales pipeline. If you're ready to level up, sign up for free at growforum.io forward slash newsletter and get the first issue this week. That's really interesting. Out of curiosity, you mentioned that you, you interviewed sellers to ask them how many stakeholders they thought was, you know, were getting involved in the process. What was that number? What did they think? So they thought on SMB deals, they thought, I, I think around, it was around three or four people. Yeah. And the enterprise thought uh, that six people yeah, are involved. But it's actually double. Yeah. Yeah. Almost double. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And look, I, I've got my perspective on what the risks would be, but what are the risks with a deal when the salesperson only thinks that there's three or four people when there's actually, you know, six to eight people, what risks does that create in the deal? Essentially, of course, you know, ideally you want to be multi-threaded, right? We all, yeah. a, a lot of, you know, that's a, that's a very well-known sales, um, not methodology, like a tactic or, mm. right? Um, to get to <clears throat> as many stakeholders as possible to influence, you you can't really get to everyone. It's not. It doesn't happen yeah. all the time, and you don't want to build too many stakeholders and give too many people power in conversations. It could also derail processes. But if you don't know who they are at the very least, okay, then yeah. you're not able to understand what is important to these different people and address that or help your champion address that. So yeah. you know you don't. In a perfect world, right? You you speak with everyone and you convince them and everything is all set, but it, yeah. it doesn't happen. But so at least you need to know who they are and know that this person really cares about that integration to the CRM. And this person really cares about <clears throat> how easy it is and how much time it will take to go live. All right. Um, so that's the risk, really not figuring out who these people are and mm. how that could affect your deals means that you're going to get surprises and your champion is going to fail doing the selling internally for you. Yeah. So obviously the scope, your ability to get a very clear scope 
that brings everybody, aligns everybody's views because people have different perspectives, right? People have different drivers, both emotive and logical drivers that impact the decision-making process. So, um, and just just for the for our audience who might not be familiar, can you just talk us through, I know we've spoken about aligned and I probably should have brought that up earlier, but you talk about yeah. digital sales room. What is a digital sales room for those that are not familiar with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a digital sales room, if you think about it, essentially it's a space, new space for the deal where you work with your champion, uh, with the buyers. Um, one place to go and bring all of the content, conversations, key conversations, mm-hmm. um, they align the next steps, mutual action plan takes there. You yeah. can sign agreements. You can have internal notes. Um, all of the sales stacks stack comes in into that single space. So <clears throat> a lot of people think about it, hear this and they say, okay, why would my buyer want to enter like a platform? But basically, you know, the, the good digital sales are more the more the, the ones that mm-hmm. exist right now. There was a few years ago, a com- few companies trying to do this, but it really didn't work. And um, and now really the, the world has moved post-COVID, everything mm-hmm. is digital and the technology changed. We have Miro and the workspaces like yeah. Slack and Miro and Notion and Figma, a lot of these different tools available for a lot of different other tasks that we use internally. So really how digital sales rooms work today, the good ones, and we're, we're I would say we're one of them, um, is you just share a simple URL, a simple link, magic link, where... Think about, you know, typically in a sales process, you share a link to a Google Drive presentation yeah. that you have or a case study. Then you move from that being multiple links or multiple attachments mm-hmm. or a lot of different emails that are failing, failing your champion or buying group because people are being looped in later on and they just have yeah. a lot of these decision supporting materials spread across a lot of different email threads or channels. You're just moving from that single link yeah, uh, in multiple links to a single link. Okay, and that single link is a URL that your buyer enters. At the beginning, it can be without a lot of uh, um, uh, permissions. Everyone can enter, and you can level up permissions of who can enter, and just everything is hosted there. Um, yeah. That that really what it allows you to do as a seller just allows you to better enable and influence champions and buying teams. Allows you to access more stakeholders, identify hidden stakeholders, and really better, better multi-thread. And uh, mm. control the deal with mutual action plans and insights on what people are looking at. So you're at a decision point, the CFO enters into the room um, and then starts going through a competitive comparison PDF that you shared uh, six months ago. That's a red flag. You can now yeah. make him move and make better decisions based on uh, um, yeah. buyer engagement in the, in the room. You know, this is really interesting and and obviously um, I love the concept of a digital sales room because I've historically used documents, whether it's a Google Drive link and you send them a link with a collaborative document. But And, and again, I think it's important for our audience, the concepts that you're talking about, yes, in a digital world, they might be new, but the concept of collaboration in the sales process is not new. Like if you look back at Miller-Hyman, Wilson Learning, um, these books are you know, very old. I mean, I read it early in my twenties. Um, they had the situational appraisal summaries. They had the blue sheets. They have tools to allow you to get on the same page, 
with the with the champion and really understand well who who is a user who is the the technical contributor the potential anti-sponsor and then bringing them on the same journey so i think for me what i love about the concept of a digital sales room is you're taking what was and what a lot of enterprise sellers practice which was getting collaboration because like you said great sellers aren't selling they're guiding they're nurturing they're uncovering the hidden objectives that might exist in the buying committee and helping the champion work on a strategy that when they come up how can they work through that what i love about the digital sales room is you're allowing you're allowing the champion to really go into the business and bring people make it easier for them to access the business case what the scope of work could be what is that action plan what is the risk profile for the project what is the cost of inaction whatever document you want them to review you're giving them real-time coverage which i absolutely love um yep. given that you've now seen thousands of digital sales rooms in motion um can you talk to talk us through what are you seeing from a time to close um what what impact is the digital sales room having on that time from discovery to close as a result of being able to use this digital sales room yeah so we're we're seeing an average uh a 45 percent uh reduction in, in sales cycles yeah uh, so we've seen by now so a thousand were the ones that we analyze we've we've basically have by now hundreds of thousands of uh rooms yeah uh, that that are that are running so there's a lot of uh uh, interviews that we've done with the customers also to understand the results and what's what's going on in these spaces. Yeah. So essentially sales cycle gets shortened as think if you think if you enter like what we're preaching a lot of time is that we're so sales has gotten more com so complex mm. and we're just used to thinking about us. Okay, we have <laughs> yeah. budget scrutiny right now. We have more stakeholders to manage. We have uh, longer sales cycles, and we're used to think about how do we tackle this? How do we, uh, you know, make every all sellers better? But uh, what we're failing to see um, is that really the key is in is in the buyer. They're they're struggling even more, and they're going through a very complex, long process internally. And mm -hmm. and really, the solution is to go and to enable them to make this easier for them, yeah. to give them the tools to succeed, um, because. You know, a buyer right now looking at a, at, at a buying software, buying a solution is thinking to themselves, I need to now go and speak with this vendor and that vendor and that first do a lot of offline research, then find the vendors, do a short list. Each vendor can be, think about an enterprise deal. If you're selling uh, a few dozens of hours worth of uh, time spending yes. with in, in, in meetings and preparing decks. They're doing the same time mm. three or four times with four vendors. In addition, they have decision committees, internal mm. research, internal buying meetings, internal processes. Okay. So they're thinking about all of these things and they're in their mind, why would I speak with the seller more than the minimum that I have to? Yeah. Right. That's what going goes on in their mind. And if, if that seller now can transition from a place of the average experience, and they're also thinking about that average experience, yeah. someone that just demos, just sends the generic materials, just throws all the features at me, 
uh, asks questions, okay, but then doesn't tie value into mm. the information that I'm giving him or her. Um, doesn't and and then just you know it's some is that person is a person that I go to when I need something and just provides me some generic information and then I need to do a lot of work. They're thinking about it this way, right? Then mm. no buyer will want to speak with that seller. Okay, and a yeah. lot of them come with this idea in mind that this is how it's going to be. Let's see if someone convinced me otherwise. So if you bring them a space, right? And I'm mm. now sorry for the long answer, but I'm <laughs> I try trying to be bring some context and 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 uh, you know share of how how we're seeing this. If now there's a place where you immediately send a message that hey, I'm I'm here to enable you. Yeah. Okay. This this space and this is the message at the top of that space. This space exists really to help you right now, us collaborate better as you go through mm-hmm. this decision process, looping other people. I'm going to organize all the, the all materials throughout this process. You can ask questions, other can ask questions. Immediately that sends the message of, hey, I'm here as a partner. I'm not mm-hmm. here to just go and, and pitch you. Uh, now, buyer also uh, is able to uh, get everything organized. So it, yeah. that's that's faster. Third point is the seller. Okay, now exactly to your last point, what all enterprise sellers have been doing really well, every all good enterprise sellers have been creating mutual action plans and spreadsheets, yep. and they're really good at creating tailored business case decks and things like that. Now all sellers get templates that the sales leader standardizes standardizes for them of Here's the business case template in the room. Here's the mutual action plan template with much yeah. better UI and capabilities to actually make mutual action plans work. So everyone really become good collaborators in this space. Yeah. And last but not least, the actual mutual action plan methodology is just known and proven to reduce sales cycles. So yeah. when you leverage that, then uh, these are the results that you see. Do you have a great product? but are struggling to reach more customers? Are you spending hours on sales activities that aren't generating results, leaving you feeling frustrated and discouraged? The Sales OS program is a step-by-step operating system that will help you slash your selling hours in half while rapidly growing your revenue. In under just two weeks, you can be well on your way to creating predictable revenue. In Sales OS, we'll show you how to build predictable sales pipeline build lasting relationships with your customers, and sell more in less time. The art of negotiation and motivating and leading a successful sales team. If this sounds like something that you need in your business, visit growforum.io forward slash sales and apply to see if you have the right mindset to achieve predictable revenue. The Sales OS program is your ticket to predictable revenue. Don't wait any longer, apply today. And you've covered off so many important things, right? And I think because you, you are absolutely right. When you're going through, I think the most important part of any sales process or buying process, depending on how you look at it, right, for me is the scoping phase because that scoping phase allows you to get real clarity over the problem statements and what is the problem that we are trying to solve as an organization and what mm-hmm. is the outcome that we are seeking to achieve, right? So that if we are going to go through a process of change, because often change can be quite painful, right? If we are going to go through a process of change, will the pain of change be give us a reward that is more significant than the pain of same, right? 
And often, sometimes they look at a scenario and say, you know what, this is going to be really painful for us. We'll just put this on the back burner for now and we'll address exactly. it in 12 months, right? And that's why for me that scoping, and I, and I love the concept of that digital sales room because it allows you to go, well, hang on a second, before we even think about moving to proposal, which is meeting my need as a salesperson of having to force this to a point of decision, let's actually get the right people around the table to get an understanding of their perspective how this problem's impacting them doesn't even matter to them because that's another thing. There's something that I heard from a CFO recently um, was really clear. They said, just because a problem matters for one of my team members, it doesn't necessarily mean it's important to us at the executive team, right? Mm -hmm. It might impact them and we're sorry for it, but in the scheme of all the other projects that we've got running, it's not even in the top five, top 10 of our list of projects that we need to worry about, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that was a real bit of an aha moment. And, and something I wanted to share with you actually as well, because when I did attend this conference and there was over a thousand CFOs there, there was a really great um, image they put up on the screen of how they looked at the cost of inaction and how they made decisions. Um, they had the four quadrants. The, 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 the top left was why change? Really simple. Why are we mm. looking to change? Then next to it was what are the impacts What's the impact of the path forward? Then what is the cost of inaction? And what are we actually going to do, right? So they looked at the change initiative with that lens. They actually said, mm -hmm. we're looking at our projects with a certain lens. These are the questions that we're asking. And we mm -hmm. need to be clear on, on asking of getting the answers in each quadrant, because if we can't, then yeah. it doesn't make sense for us to make that investment because they were talking about the economy's taking a bit of a nasty turn. They're worried about the future. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stop spending, but they're just becoming mm -hmm. more diligent in the way that they look at spending their money, right? So yeah. again, yeah. I think some of the things you touched on really, really brings that home. For anyone listening, it's about really thinking about yourself as an enablement professional in that business, helping them get to that point of consensus before even considering putting a proposal yeah. on the table. I love that. Look, most it, it's it, it's not easy, right? It's a, it's mm. challenging to get to get to that level of understanding. You need experience. You need to all the time try to get there. You need the methodologies. But um, so many sellers really think about the the surface level pain, the, the challenges that are in front of them or something that interests just one person. And, uh, and you know, the more that we go and, and realize how real buying decisions are made, um, what it's, what's important to the executive team, as you said, uh, the better. Because really where, you know, we're, we're all of this budget scrutiny and all of this, you know, tightening of, of, uh, of, uh, you know, making moves or not making changes is, is just, there's no, there's no other way to go and address this. Yeah. And where we're heading right now is really into an era, the way that we see it, where sellers just don't close deals anymore. Okay. Buyers are in the front. Most yeah. of the, so Gartner says that 5% of the buying journey is spent with you as a single vendor. Yeah. Okay. They also share that 43% of buyers prefer to self-serve and not speak with a the seller. They've yeah, gotten used that. to, yeah. So they've gotten used to um, the self-service tools, the self-service journeys. And a lot of mm -hmm. them don't take your word for it. And so they just 
you know, as much as they possible, they, they prefer to, if there's an enterprise process to be asynchron- asynchronously yeah. be behind the scenes and get some information. So it means that you really need to go and help a champion yeah. control that internal narrative that mm-hmm. the CFO and, and you have to understand, okay, uh, you won't speak with that CFO or, or executives. Yeah. Um, and they'll have a chance to go and tell you, hey, but we're thinking about what's the cost of inaction. They won't tell you that. Yeah. They won't get to that point. No, nah, that's, and, and you're right. And you know what's really interesting? And I, I want I want to I add a bit of a different perspective as well to this because I asked that, and this is the whole premise of us building this podcast of asking buyers. We've got a whole bunch of incredible um, people coming on that are in the buyer seat, right? Yeah. And we're doing this because we're trying to get the different perspective. But I asked a whole bunch of CFOs and I was, I was really encouraged a girl by the responses. I said, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, would you take a meeting with a salesperson? Uh, and they said, you know, we will, if they can teach us something, if they can share something that we don't know, if they can, because we don't yeah. have all the answers. We um, might be tightening our budget, but we are still going to spend money. Right. Yep. Um, they said, but, we don't have time. And it was really, it was really great to hear this. Like I said, I was really encouraged. Um, mm. They said, but we, we just don't have time to waste with vendors who are just pitching their products, but we absolutely will meet with people that can teach us. They can share insight. Um, they can tell us about how other people are solving certain problems that we are encountering. So even though Gartner might say, Hey, yes, only a small portion of that time is spent with a vendor this is where I think the the mindset shift for sellers needs to occur that if we are pitching product, yet we're going to be put into that really small percentage, that 5%. But when we're shifting our focus to enablement, educating, providing insight, collaborating, um, yep. we are going to get more of the time with that buying committee. And you know, I actually tried to validate this as well. And I, 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 sp- I did a couple of cold calls yesterday and because uh, I just went to this conference. I had I learned some great things. And I called one of the biggest universities in Australia. I spoke to their executive director last night and I led with a very simple narrative. I went to X. I learned some great stuff. This is what they were talking about. I'm not sure if this is a challenge for you, but if it is, I can happy to share this insight. And they're like, great. Let me get some of the key people around and let's organize a time. There was no yes. resistance or tension, yeah? yeah? And I didn't come with any, hey, this is a cold call. I'm just going to have 30 seconds of your time. It was purely an insight-driven narrative, and it worked quite well. Mm. Um, so, mate, I, I'm absolutely, I've, I've loved this conversation. We could probably talk for hours on end, but I know yeah. that uh, we're almost out of time. But just before we go, and we will make sure we put in our show notes um, a link because you're, you can sign up free to your platform. Um, to start building a digital sales room. And I encourage all of our listeners to take advantage of that opportunity because using technology in your sales process is is your competitive advantage, right? With everything else that we've spoken about today. But where can our listeners go to find you, um, Agal? What's the best place for them to engage with you? Yes, I'm quite active on uh, LinkedIn. So yeah, just feel free to go and look for... uh... Gal Aga, G-A-L-A-G-A on LinkedIn, uh, connect with me, send me a DM. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically the main place. Awesome. Well, mate, I've really enjoyed this episode. Um, we're going to, and for our audience, we're going to take this episode 
we're gonna we're gonna deconstruct it and um, one of our other episodes we're gonna talk a bit about how we can now flip the process and start to position some of the strategies that Agal's talked about on how do you get consensus, how do you get commitment from different stakeholders and start to get engagement in your digital sales room. So thank you very much, Agal, for coming on the podcast um, and we look forward to having you on again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much. It was fun.